Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, Tennis Channel Inside In is back this week. We're days away from the start of Wimbledon. Mitch Michaels here on the Tennis Podcast Network. Back again, recurring guest now, Nicholas Nico Pereira. Nico, thanks for joining the show. And uh, I don't think it gets much busier than this. We're fresh off of Roland Garros, but here we are about to start another Grand Slam. I was beginning to worry, Mitch. <laughs> I had not seen you in a while, but it's great to be back. And of course, lots of tennis, as you said, quick turnaround this year on the grass busy year with the olympics as well who knows what that's going to bring but all in all very happy that we have tennis very happy as you said uh and i guess we can kind of start there grass court season's always abbreviated it's the shortest season of all of the surfaces but even more so this time they were starting smaller events while roland garros was still going on there's never been a great sample size for grass court tennis this year it's even lighter how do you think that preparation is going to affect the, the majority of these players who don't necessarily have a lot of experience and a lot of results on the grass? It just makes the question mark a lot bigger, <laughs> and I love it, you know, because yeah. there's nothing better than going into the unexpected. I don't think there is a clear-cut favorite other than Roger, than, excuse me, than Novak Djokovic and the men's side, but that's the beauty of our sports. And in the women's side, it's so open with a lot of players doing really well so i can't wait i'm gonna watch that and with the utmost attention it's a good point because you know we talk about different sports this one particularly where we want more parity on the men's side there's a lot of the same results and this is the most parity you're going to have right we don't know what's going to happen it's it's very unpredictable i think there will be something to be said for veterans for older players Djokovic has obviously won here a lot. Serena has had a lot of success here. But just players in general, Nico, that are used to the surface, that have played here, because it's tough to be, I would assume it's tough for a young player to just have to adjust to a surface you didn't maybe grow up playing on, the, the different pacing, how the rallies and the points are a lot shorter. Would you buy into that as well, that the veterans might have a little bit of an advantage here? I would think so. You know, what you're doing a little bit more, you don't have to check your your gauges as much. Uh, I wonder about guys like Tsitsipas that played so well on the clay, carrying on the confidence, but has not played a competitive match on the grass, how that's going to translate. We've seen how busy the draws have been in the two grass court weeks in between. We saw some great fields in men and women trying to get as much practice as possible. We saw Djokovic playing doubles all the way to a finals <laughs> yeah. in Mallorca. That was pretty you know eye-catching so it's as i said the question mark just got bigger and it's going to make it that much more interesting i want to get to sets pass in a second because that's a very you know big player to be bringing up right now Djokovic enters the tournament with no rafael nadal federer who's won eight times but isn't into form an overwhelming favorite if you go by the betting odds he's a minus 110 favorite to win the whole tournament over the entire field it's like rafa odds to win the french open that's what the odds makers have Djokovic, and it's easy to see why 
with the old guards not being there or not being in form. And Nico, the younger guys that have gotten close, but they just haven't broke through against this guy in a three out of five with the mental edge and the physical fitness that he has. I think it's understandable why Djokovic is such a big favorite. To me, it's, it's just fascinating the way Novak Djokovic is able to defeat adversity coming from behind in the Grand Slam tally against two of the greatest, both debatable, Rafa Nadal mm -hmm. and Roger Federer. That in itself, it's a feat to you know just watch in awe. But the fact that he has the opportunity to win the Grand Slam, he's just savoring every second of it. And I think he thrives under pressure. And look at this week going... To Mallorca, that was a statement for me. You know, he said, I'm "Going so, to the doll's hometown." I'm so confident. <laughs> I'm going to go there to play doubles, catch a little sun yeah. in, in the in the coast of Spain, and then I'm going to Wimbledon and beat you all. It, it is it is really something to watch, and I admire him for it. There's something to be said too. Like the older these players get, they're going to be managing their schedules. We know with Rafa not playing Wimbledon in the Olympics, Roger did that a while ago. Djokovic is like, I want to play more. I want to do, I want to play as much tennis as I can and I feel fine. And I just think mentally where he's at, even in that French Open final against Tsitsipas, down two sets, he never felt threatened. He never unraveled. This is the most calm and collected guy on the court that we have right now. And, and maybe, dare I say, ever based on what he's done and the fact that we both get the, get the sense that he's just only warming up and a lot of his success could still be on the way. Definitely oozing confidence, moving very well. Did not get to see him move on the grass because in doubles you don't do that much of it, but I'm sure he got his plenty of court time. That was part of the arrangement with mm -hmm. uh, Uncle Tony coming this week in Mallorca, and I don't think that's going to be an issue. Yeah. This guy moves like the wind, yeah. and he will continue to do so as long as he's healthy. The rest of the pecking order, the, the odds-on favorites, obviously there's a huge drop-off after Djokovic, but... The number two favorite, if you if you don't know, is Sitsipas going into this. He's got the second most favorite odds, followed by Medvedev. Then you have Federer, maybe the more sentimental pick, Zverev and Berrettini round out the top six. But looking at that order and Sitsipas being the next up in terms of odds, just lost in a major final, became the first Greek man to actually make a major final. But we talk about the grass, Nico, and a lot of players and a lot of people in the media have said I think Sitsipas's game suits grass well. They see a lot of things, his net game, his serve, his ability to take the ball on the rise, especially that backhand. But it hasn't happened yet on grass for him and a lot of other people, and he isn't playing this week. So I think there's some concerns there, but do you think his game is as suited for the grass as a lot of us are led to believe? Well, his game is suited for anything. He can play in space as, as far as strokes are concerned. My issue with Tsitsipas is that sometimes his first serve goes away and that could be an issue against a good returner that can pressure him. He likes to take big cuts at the ball. He, we saw him playing on the grass way behind. That was a major change he made for this season and I, I wonder how he will adjust to playing closer to that baseline with those long strokes without playing competitive. I, to be honest, have to put Matteo Berrettini right after Djokovic, after what we saw in Queens Club, this guy is playing lights out. We didn't even talk about this, but I completely agree with you. I think he's, Djokovic is obviously the favorite, and if you're not betting on him to win the tournament, it's probably not a good bet to make. But of the next batch, I love Berrettini, and I think that his game, I always thought it made sense on grass, but I've been just so impressed with him on the clay. That run was great, making the final of Madrid, giving Djokovic all he can handle, and the fact that, 
not just the serve and not just even getting to net, but that forehand was consistently hitting in the high 90s. I just think <laughs> it was 100 a couple of times too. I just think that match against Djokovic took Berrettini to a whole new level of confidence. And yeah. You could see it. He translated it to Queens. He is serving like the gods. It's a hammer and the forehand as well. With the backhand, he can slice better than almost everybody. He felt comfortable at the net. He's moving well. He's healthy. He has that look in his eye, and, and, and he's a complete package. But I really think what he needed was that confidence boost that I can beat the big guys in big moments. And he was very close against Djokovic. I really wanted to see that match finish with fans <laughs> at oh. that point because not, I'm not, I'm not going to predict that he would have won. Don't, don't want to be disrespectful to Djokovic, but that they were for him. That was an exciting moment. His game was elevated. He, he really came alive in the third set. That was a big one for him. And, and just to put a bow on Tsitsipas, Last year, Wimbledon lost in the first round to Fabiano, not exactly a bigger-name player. So, so since Puss on grass, it hasn't come together. But if there's one thing we've learned about Stefanos and some of these younger guys and girls is that when it comes together, it all happens in the instant, and then they can go on huge runs out of nowhere. So it can be a run to the semis to the final, depending on the draw. I think Sitsipas is there. Medvedev is the other one who has actually played pretty well on grass this week. Beat Casper Rude pretty handily uh, today to make the semifinals of his tournament play there. We talked about his relationship with Clay. He wasn't always the biggest fan, but he still made that run to the quarterfinals at Roland Garros. But on grass, not the best sample size for him, as we mentioned. Not somebody that is known for playing on grass, but at least this week he's looked like a pretty good grass court player. I wouldn't put him in the top three in terms of odds to win the tournament. I watched him play in Halle, and it was not too impressive. You never know with yeah. a guy that has such a huge serve, big forehand. He's so smart that he might click and find something. He certainly moves well for a guy 6'6", six, six, but I wouldn't put him ahead of Berrettini. No chance. Do you think that it's the way he plays? It's just not suited for grass court with... You know, the big back swings. He's not somebody that's known for getting the net all the time. On clay, he wasn't even sliding at all. Do you think his game just maybe isn't built for grass? Well, he has a better chance because if it's sunny, especially, that will yeah. play like a hardcore, which is what yeah. he feels more comfortable on. But the fact that he doesn't feel comfortable inside the lines, meaning the slice, the dinking, the volleying. Yes, grass is not the same as, as it was uh, in the past, you can, you can play from the back, but yeah. still, you need skills, you need to adjust, it's a live surface, you, there are mm -hmm. bad bounces, and I just feel he's not as comfortable as he is on hardcore, where all the bounces are the same. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I heard players say, this isn't like traditional grass, it, it doesn't play, at Wimbledon especially, doesn't play like the grass that you grew up playing on and you played professionally on too. So the styles are a little different, which might help him. But at the end of the day, it is a different surface. And I, I agree. I think it's going to be an adjustment for him. Roger Federer, I think, is famous as saying when he came into the tour, he had to learn three distinct styles of different surfaces, clay, grass, and hard court. And now that might not be the case. Listen, I think we're a, a bit ahead of ourselves we have not seen the draw yet the draw is I going know. to play a big part but to me the second favorite to win Wimbledon has to be Roger Federer ahead of Tsitsipas every day and twice on Sunday so I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing you, you say that and also your thought process on Federer going into Wimbledon a guy that's been able to turn it on as good as any athlete ever I think that's safe to say 
But the last time we saw him in a tournament he's won, I think, 10 times, he did not look good at the end of that match against Felix. Are you chalking that up to just not having match toughness, just a bad day at the office? I think so. We've learned not to doubt the Raj. You know, he, <laughs> no, I am a believer. <laughs> so if he says he will be ready, he's not where it was, but, and he's not as a Rafa at Roland Garros, especially at this stage of his career at, at 39, coming back after not playing for a year, it's not optimal, but you have to hand it to the man. It's his house and, and people have to beat him there. I think it's fair to wonder and worry for diehard fans uh, that, you know, with the age, with the injuries, with the miles on him, what former Federer we're going to see for however long he keeps playing. But I also do think that getting match toughness and playing professionals that have been going around the world, playing week in, week out, it's tough to just, even for Roger Federer, to just show up without toughness, without matches under your belt and just play at an elite level. So I think he can... I think he'll get better. I think losing last week was probably a good thing to play someone like Felix before. I just, I'm, I'm in the camp of I got to start seeing him rack up some wins. I think he can do it, but I just want to see some, some match play. Isn't he, the fact is that he can lose to, to anybody on any day, more so than he did in the past, but Felix played an impeccable match. He played well in the first set and still lost it. He just... Roger could not yeah. hold on, and he faded in the third set due to you know some mental fatigue due to the fact that he hasn't played. So to me, the fact that he hasn't played is not as much for uh, when it comes time to win the match or, or in terms of movement. To me, is he mentally going to be able to hang on in a three out of five grueling match to this against these guys you mentioned that are match tough, that mm -hmm. have been doing it? Getting the sea legs is, is something yeah. important, but more mentally than anything else. Yeah, if it's a pressure moment, I trust Roger. I trust him on this surface, especially. Felix is great. Big fan of his as well. But I have to ask you, since we're on that topic, this thing with him in finals, like it, it he's a great young player. I don't even think he's 21 yet. 0-8 and, and hasn't won a set in any of these finals. Now, I know they're not all the same, but how is he still stuck in that mental block of underperforming in all these finals? Well, he missed a chance in Halle when he lost a tight one to Umber in the semis. He was going to have to answer yeah. the call if he <laughs> yeah. had won that match. But I don't think he is that worried, to be honest. He's one of these guys. He's very pragmatic thinker, as far as I know. He's just chugging it up as, as, as a chance situation. He will keep knocking on the door, and he will break through to this yes the, the snowball keeps growing but it's more the press and everybody talking around it i just don't think he's that worried introducing coco golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the coco cg1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the coco cg1 at newbalance.com nico Pereira on tennis channel inside in on the Tennis Podcast Network. Some other thoughts on the guys going into Wimbledon. Alexander Zverev is another name that keeps getting brought up. Made the French Open semifinals. And really, after starting a match in poor form for his standards, battled into that Tsitsipas match, lost in five. He's somebody that grass hasn't been his best surface. Again, hasn't played as much on there. But he's in that next group up. Lost in a major final. Has been consistently a top five player for the last couple of years. How would you assess his chances to break through at this Wimbledon? 
Well, his serve will take him a long way alone. He's just serving huge. That that first serve is just one of the best in the game for the past year and a half to two seasons. Um, long strokes, again, good returner. I don't know about his movement on the grass. He's a very tall guy. He's six 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 yeah, seven six, and, six and, least, and it's, yeah. it's really tough for him to adjust on the movement he did a quick turnaround after the roland garros uh, show when he went to halle it was a tough ask for him he did not look that comfortable but i'm sure he has a lot more uh, grass court play under his belt already my question again it's like uh, medvedev inside the lines he just doesn't feel secure when it comes to the field play, to the volleys, and that is something that it's going to be asked on the grass by the by the top players. Yeah, and it's also something I think you'd agree that you could breeze through the first three, four matches. You get to that Djokovic match, you get to Federer, you get to Berrettini even, then they're going to start to ask those questions. So it's almost like don't even look at the early results. How is it going to be in the big moments? That's going to be the, the question for, for Zverev. They're going to drop shot him, bring him in, make him volley, and that's where... He's going to have issues. Deserve the return? No doubt. The guy is up there with the best of them, and he's, he will always be a contender. But how he adjusts to the little things, those little details that make the big differences, that's another matter. The last guy I wanted to bring up before we move on to some of the, the ladies in the draw, Andy Murray has gotten a wild card. He's going to be at Wimbledon, and he's acknowledged that this could be the last go for him, which is hard to hear for a guy that's still only about 34 years old. But the question being... Andy Murray, who's won this event twice, has done so much for tennis and, and, and Great Britain and, and what he's meant to the game. You know, it's sad, to, it's sad to see the final stages of an athlete that can't really go out on his terms. And, I, you know, watching Andy Murray play now, I watch the lack of movement, and that's what is stark to me, is that this guy was the most relentless competitor on tour, did so much in an era dominated by the all-time greats, but he just can't move like he used to. Well, listen... Don't feel bad about Andy Murray. He <laughs> yeah. is great. He accomplished great things. And I think he is actually going out his way. He did the whole comeback. He played for a bit. He won the doubles titles yeah. at Queens. That was a memorable moment. He is moving quite well, not as well as he used to, one of the best of all times in, in that department. The British are not going to do it, but as he exits center court or whatever court he exits, they should play my way from F Frank Sinatra <laughs> at Wimbledon because he really did it his way and he deserves to retire as he That's wishes. That's true. I mean, it is a good point to bring up that given the circumstances, making that miraculous almost comeback and, yep. and getting to get to this point is, is remarkable too. Um, yeah, to accomplish what he's done in the era with the big with the other big three, it's pretty insane, you know? And if you look at and if you look at physical ability, it's not a knock on Murray as well, but what he did in an era with Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, kind of insane. Yeah, he and with that forehand, I think if he would have had you know, a, a bigger weapon on the forehand side, it would have been a, a different story. Not much of a huge server to, to talk about. He hit his spots. If you're looking at the whole Andy Murray component, just a relentless competitor, could not be in better physical shape, a fighter till the end, and, and a very cerebral player without having that knockout punch. Some other players that uh, aren't going to be at Wimbledon, we did not know about this officially till today, but no Dominic team in the draw hurt his wrist in his match in Mallorca, had to retire from that. Five weeks minimum before he can even evaluate if he's playing again. Um, 
teams had a rough year. I think everybody's acknowledged that. But the other scary thing with this is when you hear wrist and tennis player. I mean, this is as crucial as a body part as there is to the sport. You can look no further than Del Potro with wrist injuries and how they can be reoccurring. What was your first thought, Nico, when you heard about this injury and another setback for team? Well, I was calling the match. He was up 5-2, playing quite well. You can see he's not fluid. You can see he's not confident. He's overreaching at times. And I, I think it could have come from there. He's, you know, he took a sabbatical. He got injured. He relaxed after the U.S. Open win. He was not all there. And when you play that way, you open the door to this kind of freak injuries. And if he gets off with five weeks, he would be lucky. I mm. did not like what I saw. He saw, He said... That he heard a pop on that on that wristy forehand, he tried to hit on the run, and that's exactly what happened to Juan Martin del Potro, and he had to have a couple of in, a couple of surgeries. He was out for a year with that, and and things are not looking good for Team. Unfortunately, we really wish him the best. I don't want to draw any direct. Like obviously, there's no direct correlation or, or any of that matter, but this is somebody that was known as the guy that worked on the courts harder than anyone else played the most tournaments. They had to drag him, so to speak off the courts. Cause he just loved tennis and loved practicing. And I wonder if at his age, all the tennis he's played, if this could be the signs of some muscle fatigue and some breaking down in a way. I think it's more mental. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he openly talked about the relief that he felt after the U S open, not the grand slam. He, with, you know, we all thought he was going to win a couple of French Open finals as, you know, clay court this and clay court that, but yeah. handed to him, great athlete, relentless worker, huge fight in that final coming down from two sets to love, but everybody's different. You know, everybody yeah. has a breaking point. I feel that he took some time off the, the, the way he finished with his, the coach that he had his whole life, Gunter Bresnik, and the way he started working with, with Nico Masu, the way he won the U.S. Open. I just feel there was a lot for him to handle, and, you know, the, the mental health issue comes yeah. comes back, and that remains to be seen. But when you see that type of injury that he had, that, that you wonder if that's related. You do, and uh, it just puts into perspective, again, the big three and, and the women that have won multiple majors, you get to the mountaintop to do it again, to have the energy to go back into the well, to go back there and, and get yourself right. It's, it's a tough thing to do. We'll see what happens with Dominic team. And then quickly on Nadal, he's not playing in Wimbledon in the Olympics. Carlos Moy actually had his comments today and just basically said he's exhausted, um, that he's looking to regroup for the hard court season, which we know he can do. He's taken breaks, come back, hit the ground running. But when you see the coach blatantly uh, come out and say, look, this was this was the plan. He's not 100%. The tank's on empty. We're going to recharge and we'll be fine. It's a pretty straightforward approach that's worked for him in the past. No, that's the way Rafael Nadal and his camp live their lives. They, they, you know, they don't hide from the truth. And the, it was a grueling clay court season for him because he was fighting against the tide the whole time. He could not fine-tune his game coming to Roland Garros trying to win the 14th which did not happen that loss to Djokovic hurt to the core the, especially the way he started the match we thought that match was going to last an hour 45 and going yeah, that way but, but Djokovic was just relentless in the fight and well deserved that win for uh, the Serb, but going back to Nadal I think it, it, Carlos said exactly what we thought you know, it's just too much, a quick turnaround to go and play in the surface, which he probably feels the less 
at ease on the, on the grass. Then we have the Asia situation. We know how worried he is about the virus, how much, you know, it, what toll it took on him and his people dealing with that. And going to Tokyo with the quarantine situation, he already has the gold medal in singles and yeah. doubles. It was just going to be too much. And at 35, he has to learn to pace himself like you were saying. And, and the correct thing to do is just to get ready for a hardcore season. It's worked in the past. He's very meticulous. But when he gets back, we know he's just going to work as hard as ever. So there'll be plenty more Nadal. And he said he wants to extend his career, which is the goal. So I think we'll see that. Uh, let's go to the uh, women's side here. As uh, Wimbledon 2021 is just a couple of days away favorite of this tournament and we we talked about how unpredictable the, the women's game has been in the last couple of majors but it's still ash barty she comes in as a slight favorite someone we haven't seen since the injury uh she starts out the favorite with serena on her heels there kvitova is the third favorite as well a two-time champ there so women's game has seen a lot of new grand slam champions Serena's still on the quest for 24 there will be no naomi osaka but as it stands right now respect given to ash barty at the top oh no-brainer on Barty being the favorite. She openly says, finally, that Wimbledon is, is her favorite tournament and the one she wants to win. Incredibly so. The French Open was the one she won, but her game is built for the grass. She is looking really good. Had a great clay court season before she got to Roland Garros. Unfortunately, she turned her ankle there and the match after her hip suffered the consequences. I believe that is uh, something that had to do with that with that ankle twist. So she had time to rest it up. She looked good playing before uh, Wimbledon this, this last few days in, in practice, and she should be the favorite. Yeah. And I like the fact that she acknowledges that it, it's, uh, it's her, torn, her favorite tournament. All Aussies <laughs> swear by Wimbledon, and rightly so. Yeah. And if you were good to pick one, that's the one to pick. I think it's safe to say that you could, you know, open it up to 20, 30 women can easily could win this tournament. I think it's that type of level. Now, I don't know if you agree with me, give me the look there, but I think that what these last couple tournaments have shown us that confidence is key for everything. And I think that there are, you know, in the past, like a player like Serena Williams, losing to someone that she's never played before in the fourth round of a Grand Slam wouldn't necessarily have happened. But we've seen more upsets. I think the quality of the women's game the depth of the pool, so to speak, has increased. That number 50, 60 in the world are, are pulling off more upsets than we've seen in recent years. Yes, Barty has kept the number one spot for the last couple of seasons, but but there is not really that queen bee like we had with Serena. And yeah. and we have a bunch of new 22, 23-year-olds, uh, Rybakina, Krichikova, that won uh, Roland yeah. Garros. Nobody's talking about her doubles partner, Sinyakova, playing well. We have yeah. Muguruza trying to make a bit of a comeback, feeling a, a little bit more confident. Th there are a, a lot of, of candidates. Schweintek, you know, she's, she she's can play also on in the mix. She can, play too. On, she can play on anything. Yeah. And uh, who knows? It It is open. I don't, I don't think 20, 30, okay. but a good dozen. <laughs> I wouldn't count out Azarenka also, too. I think she's another one that could fight on this surface. Uh, I do want to hear your thoughts on somebody that hasn't had the results recently, Bianca Andreescu, because for whatever reason, you know, since Miami, and it may be injury-related and health-related, but the results haven't been there. She hasn't necessarily had a lot of grass experience, which is a reoccurring theme on this show especially, but 
I worry about her because we all see when her A-level game is on that she could beat any woman on tour. But she's been breaking down a lot. She's had, you know, retirements mid-match. Miami makes that run to the final. Doesn't finish the final against Barty. What have you thought about what you've seen of her on the grass and if she can kind of get herself into better form going forward this year? Yeah, we saw how she got injured after she won that U.S. Open in a spectacular fashion, and she has been out of the game either by injuries because of COVID. She has had a lot of time off, and I wonder how she managed that time off in terms of fitness, in terms of preparation, in terms of dedication. That is a big question. So if the injuries keep coming, she keeps having more time and interests outside of the tennis court. The, the way could get tough for Bianca Andrescu. And unfortunately for her, the injuries just keep coming. So it's a matter of staying healthy. And throughout a two-week event, as demanding, as Wimbledon, I wonder if she has the stamina to stay in it long enough to give herself a shot at winning. Yeah, well, that, that's the goal is can she make it, you know, can't, not necessarily can she beat every player in front of her, but can she go the distance of, of finish the fight, so to speak. Uh, but when she's on, she's a great player to watch. I, I do want to hear your thoughts on Serena as she goes for 24 because we've heard this a lot, This the same narrative that I think is mostly based in fact that Wimbledon's her best chance. This is the best chance for number 24. And I heard you on TV the other day say her best chance is the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, she can win on any surface if her serve is going, if she's moving well. I like what I saw in Paris in terms of movement. It, it was not... She's not so far off as she has been in the past, so she knows what she's working towards. She, she's exactly like Roger Federer in the same boat. They are both with their eyes on Wimbledon. She knew she did not have a chance in Paris. She came, got to the third round, got a couple of matches. Watch out for Serena because if she's healthy, she can beat anybody on any day. I completely agree with that, with that last statement. My concern with Serena, based on the last couple of years of an athlete getting older, is that much like Federer, when the wheels fall off, they just fall off. Like she can have a great couple matches, and then whether it's the fourth round, the semi, the final, that's when it just goes apart. It can even happen mid match, like that Azarenka match at the U.S. Open. So for me, it's the fitness level, it's the energy level, and not you know tweaking anything mid match, which we've also seen. Well, I think it's a. It, it, there are so many components, and that's what's fascinating about tennis. Look at what happened to Serena in that Wimbledon final against Halep. She could not compete. And when it gets to the point that she has an opportunity, she's had two left feet, to be honest. She does not move well. It does yeah. not flow for her. She's trying to take some pressure off last week, posting the videos with, with her child. And you know, I'm, I'm really rooting for her. I, mm -hmm. I'm the type of person that wishes the best on all anybody and yeah. if she can get to that great achievement lucky us that we're able to witness it and i've been listening to patrick moratoglu is a guy that I, i've had some exchanges with and i've learned uh, i've met him a little bit more through the years got to know him a little bit more and he's saying all the right things and if he's in her ear she has a big advantage this guy's this guy really knows what he's talking about. Seven matches is just so tough when you think about it you got to win seven matches to win a grand slam tournament i mean it's you know, it's it's tough to do. Well, she's done it 23 times. <laughs> I know. It made it look easy. I think that we've been spoiled by some of these greats. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tennis Channel Inside In with Nico Pereira here on the Tennis Podcast Network. Got to talk about Coco Golf, somebody else that isn't really settling anymore. We talked with John Wertheim about this a few weeks ago, that after Roland Garros will run to the quarterfinals, that she's past the happy-to-be-here stage. Like, she's leaps and bounds ahead of her peers for her age, but now she's getting into the mix of can she contend to actually win the Grand Slam, and Judging by the last couple of uh, results, we, we see the same themes, that she's an incredible fighter, Nico, that she's never out of a match, but still has some vulnerabilities, I think it's safe to say, in her game. Going into Wimbledon, going into her follow-up of that two-year epic run where she introduced herself, how do you see her game playing out? This girl is 17. <laughs> Let me repeat that. 17. And just three months ago, we were talking that her results were going to get her seated at Roland Garros. Then she goes to Roland Garros and plays lights out. To I thought she had a chance to win the title at, mm-hmm. at, at the stage when she lost. And here we see her playing on, on a place that she's really idolized. Because after what she did at 15 there, the, the, yeah. the bridge, she, she captivated the, the tennis audience at Wimbledon. And, and she's going to go back there as, as one of the, the favorites. But the way she has played throughout her young career and the, the, the obstacles she has leapt over are just amazing. I did a couple of her matches in the last few weeks, and what worries me is the inconsistency. She has the game. She's not afraid to come in. She's daring. She's audacious. She can serve lights out. She has improved the hitting point of her forehand, but she just goes away. Sometimes mm-hmm. she's able to display unbelievable quality of tennis, but then at some point she just starts shooting herself on the foot repeatedly, and and, and like it happened in the, in the match that she lost this week, she was up a set in five two, and, and and all of a sudden, I think she won two out of the last uh, fourteen or fifteen games, and yep. that just cannot happen when you're playing against the, the top competition in the world at, at the greatest stage. That's a good point. Her apex game is on par with any of the greats. She's right there. Does she have the consistency match to match to win seven and go all the way through? We'll see. Uh, but it's getting there. And the fact that, like I said, her movement's already A plus, A plus, and she's never out of a match. I think that how she is kind of gearing up, it's almost veteran-like. Like, she rises to the big moments she primes herself up to have the best results at the big tournaments it's it's cool and it's actually refreshing because a lot of the younger players it's only natural they're going to be tentative on the big stage they're not used to it they might play a little more timid than normal for her it's the exact opposite like she plays her best on the biggest stages yes she does she she i like her poise but she's a slow starter and she she has that to part is that. that is yeah. that has been my experience and and, and now i've covered a number of, of her outings and she just you know loves coming from behind to, to take over the lead and uh, she has to be careful again she has flashes of brilliance that if she can sustain for longer 
moments, and I'm sure she will achieve that because she, let me repeat, 17. <laughs> and she's surrounding herself with the right people. She's done very well. Moratoglu also yeah. has has a bit of, of her year, and he, he does a lot of work with her. And, and uh, I think Serena ultimately can get in there as well in terms of, of talking her into how to click it at the right moments in the bigger stages. And that is something that she is going to benefit her tremendously. Do you have any, uh, on the women's side, before we wrap this up, any more dangerous picks that we didn't see? Players that can make an impact go all the way? Well, uh, I think we, we pretty much covered, you know, the, the ones that, the usual suspects. Yeah. To, I was thinking to, maybe to, like to Sabalenka. Like, she Sabal well, Sabalenka is a yeah. big-time player. She's up to number four in the world. She's, she's still, a great doubles still player. Still hasn't made a quarterfinal of a major. And maybe, it's kind of, maybe it's now. Maybe you know? the damn breaks. <laughs> maybe. Hey. I was also wondering about Sakari. Maria has that run to her first semifinal, but the way she lost that match, serving for it in the third, it takes time for some players to overcome being so close. What her game is like, she's been peaking as well. Um, you mentioned Iga, a, another name to watch out. But I just, if there's any other players that, because we know the pool can be deep and, you know, some of these seeded players can break through and, you know, claim their first major even. It's tough. You know, we said that there is a number of, of women that can come up and, and lift the trophy on, on Saturday, but uh, I just, it's too big a stage. I just don't see mm -hmm. any of, of the outsiders winning, especially in a place as revered at yeah. Wimbledon. And remember, it's going to be 100% capacity for oh. both finals, <laughs> and I just can't wait to that, see that. That part's true. We haven't had that yet. So that, you combine the fact that it's Wimbledon, the most prestigious tournament probably ever, and then you have 100% capacity. Yeah, maybe the parody will, will be watered down a little bit here. Uh, a couple more things with Nico Ferrer here on Tennis Channel Inside In. I do want to give props to somebody. I want to make sure I do this, but Anj Jabour made history. First uh, Arabian woman to win a tournament. So props to her. Someone who's game that I absolutely love, too. The way she plays, it's just refreshing. It's great. It's <laughs> great. I love her attitude. She's been working hard off-court. Her talent is is second to none Shot i like maker. i like the variety of her shots the slice how she comes into the net her feistiness the respect for the game and the fact that she had to fight to be there she had to fight the the habits and and the the religion and and the preconceptions of of society just makes it that much more special and i you know tip my hat to her game's growing i mean that's just another example of it you know it's great to see the game grow all over the world the other news and note that i had diana Yastremska cleared from her drug situation which you know we both agree it's like we hope that it's honesty and it's moving forward but good to see that her career under the assumption of course that you know nothing you know erroneous or or malicious happened but good to see her back on the court she got into that top 20 range so still very young and has a chance to really represent for herself you well, first of all we go under the assumption that mm -hmm. everybody is innocent and at 20 even more so mm -hmm. she uh, seems to be a, a young woman with a big future i really like what i saw from her on the court it was very unfortunate so i'm very glad to see her cleared and and uh, She's going to be able to play immediately, will not compete in the next few weeks because she had not signed up for the events because of the situation. It's understandable. But in terms of her game, she's just a big hitter. If she manages to contain that power and really focus on on uh, doing her thing, 
who knows what the limit is for, for this young lady. And I think this situation gave her a lot of perspective. Hopefully she, she mm-hmm. grew from this and uh, takes uh, the best that she can out of a very unfortunate situation and makes the best of it, and we can enjoy her tennis for years to come. Reminded me a little bit when you said big hitter of kind of how Sabalenka was when she first came up where the hitting was, the power was there, just had to harness it and figure out how to play and construct points. But, yeah, I think we're, we're glad to see her, and everybody deserves the presumption of innocence. So good for her to be back. Speaking of big hitters, last thing I have for you, another props and good to see back. You know, the return to the tennis court, it can be tough for a lot of people, but it was good to see Coco Vandeweghe back playing it's been a couple-year adventure with injuries, too. Getting herself back into form, just want to give her props for making her return to the tennis courts. Always good to watch Coco. I first saw her when she was 12 when I went to visit Pancho Segura in San oh, Diego. Man. And Pancho said, well, this lady is going to be number one in the world. Not quite, but she's had the career. I, I, yeah. I really enjoy watching her play. And I was close to Craig Carden all the time through their di- tennis divorce uh, uh, three three years back and then she started working with pat cash pat called me to ask me about that injury because i have some knowledge of the situation because of a family member and uh she had some irrigation blood problems in in her foot and it was really bad for a bit miraculously she she comes back she remarries craig Carden tenistically <laughs> and uh she seems happy on the court winning matches got to the semis uh, a couple of weeks ago, and grass is the place to do it. So let's start racking up the W's and welcome back, Coco Vander. We're really happy. It's always great to see the players on the court because you, you you don't even always realize the amount of hours and dedication it took to just get back onto the court, let alone winning again. Great to see. Nico Pereira, this was fun. Thanks for coming on Tennis Channel Inside In. It might not be as long of a break in between <laughs> the next time you're on, but thanks for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. You know, we talk about our world, especially the week before Wimbledon. Very excited and ha- very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. That was Nico Ferreira on Tennis Channel Inside In. If you like the show, the entire catalog on the Tennis Podcast Network, just go to tennis.com slash podcast for this and every episode. Lots of good shows, lots of good episodes to browse through. We'll be back next week to talk a little bit of the first couple of days of Wimbledon matchups and See what happens on the All England Club. It's Mitch Michaels on Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.